3: But your eyes tell
1: you it's true. Shut. I'll turn up the sound so you can hear the monsters dueling to the death.
4: And welcome to episode 204 of the Kaiju Cast, a podcast 100% dedicated to Godzilla and all of his rubber-suited foes. My name is Kyle and this is the third and final episode of May 2017 and our Daikaiju discussion for Cloverfield. Right now, I am flying solo, but in a few minutes, I will be joined by my cohorts to discuss the film. I'll be touching on a few news items after the movie, so stick around for that and the list of upcoming catastrophic events. We, of course, are going to play a little music here on the show, so we'll dive right into that and come back out with our Cloverfield chat. This is Amazing Great Monster in Town by Santiago Tamura. Again, class, it is time for our Dai kaiju discussion. Every month, the Kaiju Cast takes a look at one particular film from the giant monster landscape and tasks the listeners with submitting their thoughts, questions, and reviews for the following discussion episode. In our race to the end of the list of these movies, at least for this sort of first run through of the Dai kaiju discussions, we are now into the peripheral kaiju film list. In the last months, we have covered Demaking... Gehara, Negadon, The Magic Serpent, Dragon Wars, and more. Cloverfield is also on this list. I mean, it is a kaiju film from a certain point of view, but, you know, it's American. It's a found footage film with the whole shaky cam thing going on. It's just very different from what we have experienced in the kaiju genre. Cloverfield was directed by Matt Reeves and written by Drew Goddard. J.J. Abram's name is attached to this as a producer, but a lot of people attribute this film to him, mostly because I think he's world building this into a series or I'm not sure some sort of universe or something like that. Regardless, the film was released January 16th, 2008, had a budget of 25 million U.S. dollars, just by comparison, Shin Godzilla, which came out last year, had a budget of 15 million dollars. And uh, Cloverfield earned $170.8 million at the box office. As a group of New Yorkers enjoy a going-away party, little do they know that they will soon face the most terrifying night of their lives. A creature the size of a skyscraper descends upon the city, leaving death and destruction in its wake. Using a handheld video camera, the friends record their struggle to survive as New York crumbles around them.
0: Is Robert Hawkins. And approximately seven hours ago, uh, something attacked the city. Um, you found this. If you're watching this, then you know more about it than I do. <laughs> Seth, where are you? Okay, we cannot go into the middle of the city. We gotta get out of here.
3: There's nothing you can do for now. Do
0: you know what that thing is?
3: Whatever it is, it's winning. Do you have any idea
0: what's out there? I don't care what's out there. Listen to me.
3: She's dying. Turn that camera. Robin, hey, Robin. You my son. Robin, it. Robin. Rob. It's a lot going to want to know, you know
4: how it all went down uh, we just finished watching cloverfield and i am joined here by rachel cook hi gretchen brooks hey and charles babbage hello i'm curious how many times have you guys seen the movie rachel
0: Too many to count, really. I love this movie. So I've owned it for many years. I bought the DVD right away um, when it came out and got, have the Blu ray that I upgraded to not too long ago, actually, because I found it in a bargain bin. But um, did you see it in the theater? Tons of times. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
4: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Was this when, was this when you were working in the theater?
0: Actually, I don't, it was not. If it came out in 2008, um, I stopped working in the theater in 2006, but Brian was working at the theater at the time. And so I know I definitely saw it in the theater. I think we screened it. Gotcha. Together. Gotcha. Yeah. That's sweet. Yeah, it was awesome. <laughs>
4: <laughs> That's cool that you guys had your own uh, your own private screening or yeah. a small screening. Yeah. Of a Indeed. brand new movie. Yeah. It yeah. Is,
0: yeah, I'm pretty sure it was probably just
1: Brian and I. Yeah.
4: Cool. So Gretchen, awesome. how about you? Have you seen this film before?
1: I've only seen it one other time and I saw the alternate ending apparently.
4: Yeah, that was interesting. I want to get to that soon, but yeah. uh so just once, and then was that at home or in the theater? It was at home. Okay, remind me that it was at home and not in the theater when okay. we do bring
2: that up later. Charles, how about you, man? How many times have you seen Cloverfield? <laughs> this would be number two. Oh, really? Yeah, I, okay, I, I saw it in the theater when it came out. Okay, and I actually remember more about going to the movie than actually watching the movie because I, you know, it was just <laughs> hanging out with people. But, but was um, it an experience just to go? Yeah, well, hanging out with fun people. But, take but, part um, in the American cinema. Yeah, <laughs> but I honestly, as I was sitting here watching, I was like, I remember bits and pieces, but I actually forgot a lot of it. Oh, cool, cool. Yeah. So, uh well, that, that I'm curious, like, so now that you've seen it
4: again, and same for you too, Gretchen, like, what are your initial thoughts on this film? Like, did
2: you especially since you didn't really remember most of it or remember yeah. parts of it. Well, I you know, I kind of remember what my impression of the movie was mm-hmm. after watching it, and it remains about the same. Okay? You know, it's... Uh, I liked it well enough, uh, but kind of a...
1: Meh. yeah. Okay, yeah. all right, yeah. all right. Mm-hmm. Gretchen? I like the found footage aspects of it. Mm-hmm. That's one of the genres mm-hmm. I'm into. Um, and I also didn't... I also... Realize like, these poor chicks need some shoes.
4: What? <laughs> yeah,
1: no kidding. i like, running through the streets of New York barefoot with glass blowing up everywhere. No. Mm-hmm.
4: Was she barefoot? I thought she, she was, had gold shoes on. No,
1: the friend did, but mm-hmm. then Beth didn't have any shoes.
4: Oh, Beth. Mm-hmm. Beth, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, she was just lounging like a fool yeah. before the rebar went through her shoulder. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I had seen this uh before. Actually, my good friend Chris Vossler shout out to Boba Fett. Took me to an early screening of this at the, uh, at the Lloyd Center, the one outside of the mall. Mm-hmm. And I remember being excited because I was like, ooh, I haven't been to one of these before. It wasn't that special in the long run, but it was special because it was a giant monster movie. And, uh, I definitely was excited going in and I really liked it when I saw it then. Um, since then, I've seen it maybe three or four times this is not a movie that I generally think about going back to on the regular. Yeah. Even when we were looking in my digital library for the file, I was like, where did I put Cloverfield? (laughs) I did not put it with the tokusatsu films. Uh, I put it with the regular Joe movies. So, I mean, I like Cloverfield quite a bit. And, uh, even when we finished watching it, when the credits started rolling, I was like, I enjoy Cloverfield. It's not the best movie. I, uh, probably I'm going to have to think about where I would rank it in the American made monster Mm. movie camp. I don't know if I will even be able to like come up with a conclusion for that or, you know, Mm. well, it's not going to be in your top 10. I bet definitely. Well, in the American made giant monster movies, I don't know. There's not that many, I guess. Okay.
0: What would you put above it? I'm curious. Like, what do you like better than Cloverfield as far as American movie monster movies?
4: I did like Kong Skull Island better than yeah. Cloverfield. I would agree oh. there, yeah. Hmm. Um,
0: yeah. I mean, I haven't seen it yet, so I right. can't fully judge it.
4: Well, I'm, I'm not going to judge you for not yeah. going to see it yet. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, you'd see it when you see it. But... Yeah. Uh, Basically. Yeah. It's not like you're on a I liked it podcast about giant monsters. <laughs> I, and know. I know. I know. <laughs> uh, well, the rest of us went and saw it. That's really, <laughs> yes. really what matters. But no, seriously, like in terms of giant monster movies, like I think I like this better than Godzilla, you know, mm-hmm. 2014's Godzilla.
0: I do too. That's oh, why I was yeah. just wondering, you what, know, yeah, if, if you did. Um, rank I don't that like it as this- much
4: as uh, Pacific Rim, Pacific Rim, Probably yeah, is I, one of my favorite giant monster movies made by America. I'd agree yeah. with
0: that, absolutely.
4: Anyway, I don't need to get into that right yeah. now. No, I mean, we Let's all know, actually we talk about the yeah. movie itself. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, overall, uh, Rachel, what did you like about this movie? Did you see anything new that you liked that you hadn't seen before?
0: Oh gosh, I mean, I've seen it a lot of times. This is, um, it's one that stands out that I actually remember a lot of it, and I, I eat it up, man. I love it so much my favorite part that's always been my favorite part um that i just really get a kick out of is um i call it the marlena explosion scene but uh, <laughs>
4: but uh i don't know what uh, scene you're talking about <laughs> could you give something a little more but, descriptive
0: um but like leading up to that with like when they're in the subway and the small it's monsters good stuff, in there yeah, i yeah, just, sure. i think it's phenomenal i just love it. and right before that is the rat and i love rats and so just right there, I'm just like super stoked and excited about the movie. As soon as you show rats, I'm like, yes, oh my god, they're so cute. Oh, oh, yeah, I love all the rats, look at all the rats, I want to hug them all. That and counts then, as a
4: baby kaiju for you. Pretty much. Pretty,
0: <laughs> pretty much. And then you have the small monsters yeah. um, that go all crazy and and it's all creepy and awesome and fantastic. And the then little you parasites, get in there, right? yeah, yeah. and like after they do the whole thing, like breaking up the inventing machine or in the little room and they go up to the surface. And you have Marlena with like her the blood in her eyes and she's like, I don't feel good. Oh, and then they brush her off and she blows up. It's amazing. I love it. <laughs> Although I did have a thought. Okay. Well, okay, that was a new thought while watching it this time. I thought that could be interpreted as they killed her. I don't it know. It's the blow up <laughs> because you don't see it. And it could be that they like they shot her in the head. They or shot something. her. I think, I think I the mean, concept is that the, you get bitten and then they they you explode. Yeah, I don't yeah. think that's really what they were. Yeah. I never thought that before, mm-hmm. but it just occurred to me while watching that that I was like, oh, that could have been like, we, you know, she's going to turn or something, you know, and they kill her. Yeah. You know, the thing. It, so, it may yeah. have been smarter
4: if yeah. they just shot her in the head.
0: Right. I mean, could have.
4: I mean, I'm not Absolutely. generally a yeah. fan of shooting people in the head, no, but like. But- if you know that somebody is infected. Right. You know, I mean, like zombie style,
0: obviously. you know, you, you'd want to be shot before you turned. Because so. as soon
4: as they saw her, they were like, "She's we've got a bite. We've got a bite. Yeah. 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 So
0: that's what I just kind of thought. Maybe it's because I've, I don't know, watched recent zombie stuff, but I don't know. That's just kind of a new thought in my head.
4: Well, okay. So let's talk about the vibe a little bit since you brought up zombies. Mm-hmm. Cause like similarly to the walking dead, how the walking dead is a zombie show, but it's really about the humanity, right? Yeah. Like this, the focus here is the people. Obviously right. we're dealing with the, you know, HUD, the cameraman and his friends, Rob,
3: mm-hmm.
4: Marlena and Lily,
3: mm-hmm.
4: and yep. then Beth. And previously, Jason. See, I can remember most of them without having to look <laughs> yeah. at the IMDb page. And but, uh, but the uh, you know, in the same way, you know, this is not a kaiju film, Gretchen. I know you agree in your own <laughs> description of what kaiju films are, but this is not what I would even consider a kaiju film. This is a found footage disaster movie essentially
1: Mm -hmm. totally like a disaster film
0: which is why i think i love it because i love
1: disaster films (laughs) oh my gosh
4: so did you also consider this a disaster film gretchen
1: yeah and a found footage film yeah hands down Mm -hmm. i mean it's it's horrifying but i wouldn't define it as horror i would call it a science fiction type Mm -hmm. style film Mm -hmm.
4: especially especially now that we know some of the backstory right viral stuff so when you saw it tonight, did you notice anything different or did you find anything new to I like? What's Marlene's your favorite part?
1: Little. Are you fond of Garfield? Oh, my God, oh that, was, that was really funny. <laughs> yeah. You
4: know, Superman. <laughs> right. yeah.
1: Yeah. So good.
4: Yeah, it's a good amount yeah. of humor in that movie. You know, it's like yeah. I don't think there's only a couple of spots where I think it's a little too, too much. Yeah. Where it's like, okay, T.J. Miller, like dial it back just a little because his character HUD is somewhat lovable and very, (laughs) yes, very, very much T.J. Miller, at least uh, maybe 2008 era T.J. Miller. I don't know what he's like today. Charlie, what did you like about the film?
2: (laughs) Well, okay. Lizzie Kaplan and T.J. Miller, actually, I like like them in the Mm -hmm. movie. I, I wasn't even thinking... He needed dialed back. I, I thought he was fine. And, and, uh, um, it was just a couple times. And, yeah. you know, I think it's the, you know, as thinking back on the movie, uh, the first time I saw it, I think those two people were the only two that actually ever stuck in my head mm-hmm. after the movie. And not just because she blows up. Uh, <laughs> <and> <laughs> I actually thought she was a decent, a decent character, but yeah. I also felt like in some ways they're the only two characters that you actually get to, you know, see even develop a little bit. You know, the the lead Yeah, Rob's pretty one-sided, yeah. He's he's on a single mission and that's and it doesn't change from any point in the movie. It's the same Mm -hmm. beginning to end. Not much of an arc there. And and when his brother Mm uh dies. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, well, that kind of sucks, but you know, you didn't really get to know him at all, so it's kind of hard he kinda to He kind of seemed like a jerk. <laughs> yeah, and kind of you know, seemed like a jerk. just from the miniature amount of information we had. <laughs> right. And so so my point being that that uh I there you know not with a found footage movie, my issue is always that you're you're stripping yourself as a filmmaker from Creating, you know, a lot of good visuals. Mm-hmm. You're, you're you're putting a lot of limitations on yourself, and and with a, a lot of, you know, a really good visual movie, you can let a lot of character stuff kind of go to the side and sure, just yeah. sit back and enjoy it. And with the found footage movie, you have to, I think, have a lot better characters, and yeah, that was limited.
1: Oh yeah, I could see what you mean by that. Yeah,
2: and I think yeah, I, I yeah, think I think you want to have somebody you, that you could connect. You have with to pretty put quickly. yeah, you have to put a lot more weight on that, and I felt it was a little weak. Mm-hmm. uh with the majority of the characters but so, for those two cast members and i, I completely I, and agree so, with you and those two cast members stood out to me i like you know i actually i like them they 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 were the thing that i remember the most from the first time i saw it uh, other things i liked um the the i will go back to even though i'm not a fan of found footage movies i really liked the way they did incorporate all the effects into the found footage camera work uh, mm. i thought that was pretty mm-hmm. pretty yeah. flawless yeah, and, totally. uh I like I like that. But how, how did you feel like the CGI held up? Uh you know, it, it, we're eleven years after the movie, or nine years I, after the movie I came out. I think for the most part, I thought it still looked pretty good. Yeah,
1: same here. They kept them in shadows enough, so yeah.
2: And I, mm-hmm. you know, the I, I could go into. I I think the design of the monsters a little goofy, but. Not Extra bad. Armies. Yeah, not bad. <laughs> I like the little mites that come off the monster. I, I think those, those are awesome. Too. Those yeah. those guys I think are great. Um, uh, and uh, more interesting than the than the big characters. I'm so, pretty sure yeah. Rachel mm-hmm. wants one of those as a pet. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I'd take one. But sure. Yeah.
2: yeah.
4: I don't know. I really I think my favorite aspect of this movie is the pacing. Like there's only it's there, quick. there are some times mm-hmm. where it's it gets quiet in, yeah. the, in the film. And that, I'm not going to say it's a detriment. It's just a different way of telling the story. But I like the way they edited it together in terms of like, this is a, they really did a good job of making it seem like a continuous actual like yeah. camera footage kind yeah. of thing. Mm-hmm. And especially when it's like, they'll show you guys what I was talking about. And then you see like a little teeny tiny clip of footage from the previous recording that was yeah. on it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely yeah. gave me uh, nostalgic, warm memories of screwing up video recording when I was a kid on my dad's VHS uh, camera.
1: Taping over the no-nos. <laughs> Just taping over anything. You know?
4: But uh, I, I really like this film in terms of, of pacing very much. I thought it, it moved along very briskly. And I, I think I read that the movie is actually 80 minutes.
2: Yeah. It felt like it. It moved mm-hmm. quick. Didn't, yeah. didn't feel overly long. Which was a relief. I mean, 85 minutes. Yeah. yeah. So,
4: and, uh, one of the trivia facts about this movie was that the 80 minute mark, which is apparently what they were kind of shooting for pre credits, is, um, you know, not including the credits, is the exact length of those mini DV discs that they were being shot. Oh, on. <laughs> I didn't even put that together, of course.
1: That's smart. That's cool.
4: Yeah. I think that, you know, maybe that's one of the other things I'll say about this movie that I liked is I, I like how much thought they put into a lot of this movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The film itself and the marketing as well. Yeah. And, I mean, and you know, so I, I think we should talk about the viral marketing. Now, I, was gonna I was going to say, gonna yeah,
0: it's it. perfect. Yeah.
4: Okay. So we, I asked these guys earlier, none of them were very familiar with the viral stuff for this movie. We saw a couple of us saw the trailer, the mm-hmm. teaser trailer, I yeah. think, which may have been the only trailer that they put out. Don't quote me on that. Cause I don't know. But, uh,
2: that they think that was the only one I that's ever saw all
0: I recall too
2: yeah the only the only trailer I remember is the one with the Liberty head landing in mm-hmm. the street, and that's mm-hmm. kind yeah. of that's the only clue you get to something big going on right so uh the the company that put this out
4: made an incredible viral marketing campaign now, when I think of viral marketing usually, I think of one thing, like oh, uh, we're gonna do one little thing, and that's gonna be it, and yeah. that's hopefully mm-hmm. the the masses will grab it. And latch on to it, and then everybody will go see the movie. And that's what they're hoping on. But these guys, <laughs> oh, man. Actually, I also wanted to give a shout-out and also a shout-down in, I don't know, to Dan <laughs> Clark from PDXR because I thought he was going to be here tonight to talk about Cloverfield. A long time ago, I agreed to have him on the show when we finally did Cloverfield, because he's a huge fan, and <laughs> he is also a huge fan of viral marketing stuff. When they did The Dark Knight... They had a crazy viral campaign for that that involved like an actual like Joker phone and stuff like mm-hmm. that. You actually had to mm-hmm. do like that's the furthest end of the spectrum for viral marketing that I've ever heard of. And it's awesome. Mm-hmm. But for Cloverfield, they had a ton of stuff. And let's talk about some of that after the teaser. uh Eventually, and again, we don't know how any of this stuff actually was leaked out to the public and, and actually got latched onto. uh, But there was a. 11808.com website. And it had, uh, some photos from, not from the movie, but from like attacks and stuff like that. The next viral website was slusho.jp. Slusho is in this, uh, universe. Slusho is a drink from Japan. Actually, I think if you watch other JJ J. Abrams stuff, Slusho shows up like what? the actual marketing or the, The logo design and stuff Mm -hmm. will show up in other J.J. Abrams pieces. Uh, Let's see. So Slusho has – the cool thing about Slusho, it has this big, long uh, description about the company, the fake company that that makes this. I read it earlier. I think I should read it again because I actually thought it was kind of cool. This (laughs) is all taken – this is taken from the IGN article, which I will put a link in the show notes to. In the history section of the Slusho website, you can read the outlandish story of renowned beverage maker Noriko Smallest Whale Yoshida, who perished on a deep-sea search for a a secret drink ingredient. Noriko's beverage-making enterprise was later revived by her son, Ganu, a scientist who inspired to return to the family business after discovering an incredible deep-sea ingredient that is the key to Slusho's flavor and lauded health benefits. So anyway, the connection from Slusho... To the next part is that Slusho's parent corporation, which is called Tagruato, again, a completely made-up company with a completely made-up website that you can navigate, Uh, it has an interactive map of their global drilling operations. (laughs) This is seriously, seriously thorough. It's really cool. I mean, they even had like press releases, news reports. On the website, it actually says in one of their press releases that... The Chuai Station has recently been attacked by an alleged eco terrorist organization called Tido Wave. T i d o Wave. You can even watch this news report about the supposed attack online. However, those wanting to dig even deeper can actually go to the Tido Wave website. Wow! <laughs> so seriously, it's nuts. Rob Hawkins from the movie, the technical lead of the of the movie, even though mm-hmm. uh, HUD was what I would consider to be the lead because he's the one that had the camera and did the most amount of talking. Right. Uh, Rob actually had a blog where you could find things like little <laughs> Easter eggs in, in there uh, in his pages. And last but not least the party girl from the party the, uh I think she was on the couch right after HUD was like, Oh yeah, I won't tell anybody about uh, Beth and Rob sleeping together. And then it cuts and he goes, Hey, did you guys hear mm-hmm. Beth and oh, Rob? Yeah, yeah. girl? I think it was the blonde girl from there. So it's these videos that she's sending to her boyfriend And, um, I, you know what, I'm just going to put a link in the, (laughs) in the show notes to it so you can check it out. This was the only viral marketing that I saw. And it's this girl, Jamie, and she's talking to her boyfriend, Teddy, and he has left to go to a different job, similar to what Rob is doing. I think, I don't know about the job aspect, but where it is, I think he's working for the Tagruato company and he ends up sending her, like she can't get in touch with them. So she makes these videos and she's getting kind of pissy about it. And then she gets a package that says, don't open until this date. And she goes, okay, no problem. And then she gets more pissy because she's not hearing from him. And then the video that I played for these guys, the audio that they heard, uh, was her <laughs> opening the package. It had a hat, a slusho hat in it. And then in the package, it had a, a Ziploc bag that said, evidence something or other, freeze ASAP. Jamie, do not eat. <laughs> and, and like, I just, I think that all of this stuff that they put together for this movie, it just speaks volumes to what the people who are making it believed in this yeah. movie accomplishing. Yeah, and I'm, I, I'm not saying that I think more movies should do that because I love the fact that it's sort of unique in the landscape of movies out there, right. but it's so cool. And if you're mm-hmm. like a guy like Dan who is not here tonight to uh, share his experiences with us, I heard him talk about the Batman one, the Dark Knight Mm -hmm. viral marketing campaign, because he actually took part in that. And it just sounded really awesome. Mm -hmm.
1: Joker phone, I want to know about that.
4: Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, I I would say if I can find the episode of Geek in the City where he talks about it, I will put a link in the show notes to it. So there you go. That's about the best I can do. (laughs) I think it's time for us to talk about what we didn't like in this film. I got to think about that because I I liked so much of it. Rachel, you said you really love this movie. Is there anything that yeah. you kind of don't like about it?
0: Um, I, I would say actually that my biggest negative is that it is a found footage movie because – Yes, Um, I know. Like I was like, oh, you know, I kind of have the opposite of Gretchen here, but um,
4: Gretchen, that just means your fandom of this is one more unique.
0: But but the only reason is because I get motion sick really easily. Okay, Uh. and that is why, and so it makes me queasy watching it throughout. And I'm really glad it's a short movie. And I I take motion sickness medicine a lot. If like if I get motion sick especially Aww. if i'm in the car if i'm not driving then i absolutely have to take it
2: do you but do yeah. you think you would have enjoyed it as much as you have and you said you've watched mm-hmm. it uh, no, numerous oh, times do yeah. you think you would have enjoyed it as much if you had if it had been a really traditional movie without the found footage See, aspect i
0: don't know that's what i wonder because i i love the whole concept of that the the way they put it together with and i think that you know hud being so amazing mm-hmm. and Um, and those characters are so great and it worked so well and for the story that I don't know that I would like it as much if it was not a found footage. Yeah, because for as much as I, because I feel like that's a huge part of it, like of just how it is successful. Yeah. Yeah. But it's a negative for me just because of the motion sickness thing.
4: Yeah. Well, I think I remember a lot of people, um, having issues with it. I, I Mm -hmm. don't think that we were in the front row, the front row, but we were, Pretty close when we went and saw it. Yeah. I didn't really have any problems, but I remember thinking, like, Ugh. after, because <laughs> yeah. this was after way after Blair Witch had come out. And mm-hmm. so I remember hearing about people having to leave the theater from the Blair Witch project because they couldn't handle the motion. Yeah. Yeah. Gretchen, <laughs> what don't you like about Cloverfield?
1: The ladies. The ladies—they <laughs> really piss me off. Uh, yeah, because yeah. they're just they're like oh, I don't know. Like I already joked around and said, "Oh, this obviously doesn't pass the Bechdel test." Because like, mm. hot minute in, like girls are talking to each other, going talking about relationship stuff.
3: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But
1: just seeing that the the women and the characters, and all, I mean the people in general, I they think they're kind of they kind of come from an affluent society, and so they were mm-hmm. their depths were not. Hmm. How to put?
4: <laughs> I would say that I'm trying to say it nicely,
1: these are, y'all. <laughs> these are like they're pretty shallow. They're really shallow people. Yeah, yeah,
4: yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. There you go. I don't think there's and anything it, wrong with that.
1: No, that's just kind of like I didn't. I didn't love the people
0: as they're kind of
4: basic.
1: They're kind of basic. They yeah. like drink pumpkin mm-hmm. spice lattes.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, Marlena, I think kind of had she. She felt more. Like she was like the edgy girl, chick. yeah, yeah. And I, I dug her definitely. I
1: mean, she she's definitely some shoes more on too.
0: She
4: was a little emo. Yeah. yeah, I don't even know why I'm here today. Right, <laughs>
0: I wasn't supposed yeah. to be here. Yeah,
4: yeah.
1: I kind of, I kind of
0: <laughs> it though. I felt like. No, I like was, Marlena. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, as as Charles
4: sweet. said, like Marlena and and Hud were the two characters that I mm. I felt like I yeah. could connect with. Yeah. Totally, absolutely, yeah. could not connect with Rob. No, Rob's mm-hmm. a
0: dick. No. Could not like connect with Beth, although. Well, I, yes and no. I don't know. Like I can, we kind of talked about in yeah. the, oh, yeah, while we were did. watching the movie that, you know, that like, okay, Rob's like going after, you know, Beth and bringing everybody with him. And it's like, you know, and I was like, I would absolutely do that. If, if that was Brian, no doubt I would be that person. I would be Rob going after Brian. If it was my cats, I would absolutely be going after them into Midtown where the monster is. I would rescue them if I could. But because for me, it's like, it's worth risking death because I don't want to live without them. Sure. But, um, so like, I understand that passion of wanting to go after like the person you love. That doesn't mean Rob's not a totally shallow dude and <laughs> kind of not my kind of guy, but, um, but I get the motivation
1: we can say. Well, that and he's like, he, I wouldn't drag my friends. Like that would be yeah. the only See, thing I'd probably be like. My all right, you guys, to come with
0: me. I'm all about it. <laughs> Bring it on. He did Dad, he give the them
4: several opportunities this to is not this go is with true. him. Because I'm not trying to defend Rob because I, I think that Rob, I mean, his reaction in the party to uh, to Beth's. Uh, friend, date, whatever was just like Good, so goodnight. typical, uh, like, uh oh, typical oh. Hollywood bravado dude yes. BS that I yeah. can't. And I say BS because that's not the kind of thing right. that I'm into, but like other people I bet would actually act that way. I just don't really.
2: It's not I, You people. shouldn't,
4: dudes, you shouldn't <laughs> do that. That's lame. <laughs> <Yeah>. Anyway, <laughs> Charles, man, what, is there anything,
2: what is it well, you don't well, like about it, this film? Because you well, I don't, don't know. love I, it. I, yeah, I kind of started off probably talking about more what I don't like than what I do like. But, you know, it's the found footage aspect, I think, is the thing that, that bugs me the most. But, you know, as I asked Rachel, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I myself don't know that the movie would be memorable if it didn't have the found footage aspect. You know, I think I, it would be an entirely different vibe. Besides mm-hmm. besides a different vibe, if it was the exact same story, it'd probably be even more forgettable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yep. um I think that's one of the few things that actually keeps it kind of unique and and I'm I'm okay with that, but I the shaky cam stuff drives me nuts because it you know I mean, film is visual. I want to see pretty stuff or interesting stuff on screen. And if half the time the camera's pointed at the floor, shaking around, I'm kind of losing interest. So Mm -hmm. that's, that's why I kind of run into problems with it. Yeah. I, I mean,
4: I, I don't love found footage. I don't hate found footage, but I don't want to call myself a movie aficionado because I think that sounds stupid, but I do love movies, you know, and I love cinematography, especially, Mm -hmm. especially when you watch a movie that is not so great except for the cinematography yeah, and you sure. walk out of it. You're like, at least it was pretty, right. You know? yeah. This is yeah. almost the opposite. At least it was exciting. At least it was fun. At least it was good. But man, right. it, I mean, cinematography wise, no thanks. Yeah. I mean, they had some good stuff.
2: It's yeah. I it, it, love looking
4: out the uh
2: helicopter. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah, yeah. No, go yeah, ahead. Yeah. No, it's uh, your show, interrupt all you want. <laughs> um, <laughs> me, 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 me. Uh,
1: yeah,
2: yeah, know, and I, I probably shouldn't pick on that aspect alone. I mean, there are other things that are that are you know uh, the characters are the, probably the second thing that bug me sure, over yeah. the over the and like I've already mentioned, but story wise, I mean, the premise and it's really just getting point A to point B. You know, you know, the warrior style running across New York, but um, I thought that worked, and so you know. I I, I kind of only hate the characters in the found footage. You know? There's only two things I can really pick Well, that's on. cool. That's cool. Yeah, I mean, I guess if I had to
4: say one thing I didn't like about it, I actually do not like the design of the
2: Cloverfield monster. Yeah. Um, I'm on the fence about it. I mean, there's things I like, things I don't like. I kind of like the... Batty face, but as far as the tone of this movie goes, I don't know if it works. I'll know? give you the batty face. I kind of like the batty cool. face, yeah. Yeah. air
0: sac thingies. Yeah. I don't, I don't like the air sac thingies. Really, is something know. yeah it's where I that's I. Ooh, like, I don't know. They, don't like they bother me. See, and I like the arms. I know you mentioned that earlier. I was like, ooh, I think the arms are cool, but the face is what bothers me. So, well, I think it doesn't work in the tone you, of this movie.
2: It kind of felt a little goofy for the tone of the movie. Like cartoonish? A little bit.
0: Yeah, I kind of get that. So we (laughs) should
2: probably talk a little tiny
4: bit, since I brought up the creature design, about the creature design in terms of what it's supposed to be. Yeah. I've heard that it's supposed to be a baby version of the Cloverfield monster.
0: Really? (laughs) Okay, here we go. So (laughs) uh,
4: at the very end of the film, when you're watching uh, Beth and Rob's footage from uh, their trip to Coney Island, there is Mm -hmm. a shot, it's kind of a long shot- Of the harbor, I don't know what what harbor it is. You know, during that shot, Mm -hmm. it is very. I mean, even on the big screen here, I didn't really see it. There is a splashdown that happens, and it's super subtle. Did you hear about that? Yeah, I know about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a splashdown. So the theory, or I don't know, at this point it may be proven proven Cloverfield canon. I don't know, (laughs) but at this point, uh, when the movie came out, people were theorizing that. That was a meteorite that hit mm-hmm. back when uh when Rob was making that yeah. right. and that meteorite hatched the Cloverfield baby. Okay. Wow.
0: See, I never mm-hmm. heard the baby aspect of it. I mean, that's I just that, uh, again that's cla- fan theory stuff. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what hatched the the monster. That mm-hmm. was a monster mm-hmm. landing. Um, but I never heard the baby part of it. Which would the baby part does make sense if you look at the design of the face; it is kind of baby face.
3: Yeah, but
0: it's kind of baby face. <laughs> yeah, I'm just yeah. saying whatever I, I can I, to get you I to just,
4: love that monster more. Right, <laughs> it's yeah. a baby. Yeah,
0: no. but no, I mean, I still, I you mean, could still like the little creatures way yeah. better than that
4: big. guy. The little creatures are awesome. Yeah. But so anyway, the for me, the design of the Cloverfield monster is. I know they are probably going for otherworldly. Yeah. It shouldn't
2: look but, like something from this earth, well, but it, I like Kaiju. It's funny because the face, mm-hmm. you know, it actually has a little personality to it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I'm usually all for that. I'm, I mean, I usually pick on creature design that don't, that where they don't have any personality to them whatsoever. Mm-hmm. But This is an occasion where I would actually go against my own, you know, uh, opinion there. And, and, and I think it, you know if it was a little more serious and alien i mean it looked like a bat to me the way it walked around and and its face if it looked just a little more um serious sure. uh, i think it would have worked better in the in the context of the movie mm-hmm. rachel have you
4: you said you have the blu ray yeah do they have a lot of special features on the Blu-ray, like uh, oh, making of or
0: uh, the one I got they don't because I got like the bargain bin one. Okay. So I I don't they I think they might have released one that has more stuff yeah. on it. But this I would got be, one that costs like four dollars.
4: Oh, yeah. So. This would be a movie where I would love to actually watch somebody talk about the design process. Like in mm-hmm. those Star Wars yeah. DVDs right. that come out, like they, they sit there and they like have the camera on the the concept artist and they're talking mm-hmm. about like the process of designing the creatures or designing a specific character. I would love to hear someone talk about that process for this particular monster. Because while I don't like the monster design, it's just, I think it's just because it's not what I, I say this quite a lot. Like, it's not what I like in a monster design. Mm. Like, I want, I want my giant monsters to be big lumbering monsters that you think they're going to blot out the sun. And like Mm. the Cloverfield monster is really cool. Yeah, Um, but like when they put out a toy, there was never a second where I was like, "Oh, I'm going to buy that toy," especially because of the price. But the the design is another story. Yeah, the design is the first barrier. (laughs) The second (laughs) barrier was the two hundred plus dollar price on it, outlandish price tag for that thing. Yeah, yeah, I saw that (laughs) silliness. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I guess this is time for us to sort of like, kind of give our final thoughts on the film, Rachel. Now that you've seen it. Seventeen hundred times.
0: <laughs>
4: Do you, you don't have any new takeaways from this movie, really? Or you know,
0: not really. Yeah, no. I mean, but I, did you learn I, anything I still here a tonight? Kick out of it every time I I watch it. I am I am actually very surprised at. I thought this was going to be a total love fest. And it's oh, yeah. not, and I'm, I'm a little <laughs> shocked. Like I didn't, I underestimated other people's opinions. Hmm. Um,
4: but I think we all really like it.
0: I think you oh, all like really it. like it. Yes. Yeah. But mm. yeah. But I mean, <laughs> I mean, I think, I think we all it was dig gonna it. Be like I, can I say dig it? Like,
2: <laughs> yeah. I, I I would agree. Gushing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you thought everybody was gonna gush? Yeah, okay. I did. All right. And then, interesting.
0: So so that that's my takeaway is that uh The that, takeaway is that is Rachel that, is
4: very disappointed in you all. That's right yeah. dang <laughs> it.
0: That's right yeah, no, 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 no i j- I thought it was a lot of fun. I'm glad people liked it still. I mean, if everybody hated it, I'd be a little sad, but um but i I had fun watching it again, as I always do, so
4: good, good. Rachel, she's a sensitive girl who likes her baby kaiju. I do.
0: Even if they're mm-hmm.
4: disgusting creatures that murder the hell out of you.
0: And make and you rats. explode. I love rats. The fact that there's rats in it automatically yeah. gets a super bonus points. <laughs> I mean, it's insane <laughs> the amount of bonus points movies get for that.
4: Because anytime yeah. I watch a movie with Rachel, I always think, is there a baby kaiju in this? Or is there something cute in it that she's going to, yeah. like, glom onto? So mm-hmm. the cutest thing in this movie was... The rats. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Glitchin. Sure. <laughs> Final thoughts on. Well, I get, see, yeah, I
1: get to see a different ending. So yeah, that's interesting. To see a theatrical ending. It, the only differences that I remember really were that at the end, when the there are they're like "I love you," she's mm-hmm. like "I love you too." The differences that I saw were the at the end she's screaming "Rob." And there's like debris coming down and then suddenly someone picks up the camera and dusts off the front of the lens. Mm-hmm. And that was the difference. And oh, then it I've flashes back to that. the the Coney Island thing. So that's the only. I've seen the other ending now that you say that. Yeah. yeah.
4: Maybe they have them on your Blu-ray or your DVD. Or my
0: DVD. Yeah. Actually, it might yeah. be on my DVD. Yeah. Because I,
3: mm-hmm.
1: I saw a bird copy. So I think nah, it might have yeah. had the, um, yeah. the theatrical or the non-theatrical release. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The director's cut or something. The pirate cut. Yeah.
4: Shh. Okay. So, uh but in terms of the film itself, like uh, where does this sit for, for you? Like, do you, did oh, it's you, a,
1: it's a fun rainy day watch.
4: Okay. You, and a, you and it's got the, day. it's got the disaster and. <laughs> yes. I love the disaster.
1: For, I love yeah. the found footage aspects. Um My takeaways from that are just that, you know, those are always, those are fun films.
4: I mean, yeah. So what are some other found footage films that you like? Just real quick.
1: Willow Creek.
2: Okay. I haven't seen it. I, I saw That's, Willow Creek. I want to see it. It's Bigfoot movie. I want to yeah.
1: see it. Yeah. That one's really, I really dug it. I know it didn't get very good press, but I personally dug it. Um, Bobcat. The um, Phoenix Project, or um, was it Banshee Project? Hmm.
4: Hmm. I've never oh. heard of that one. It's a okay.
1: really messed up horror film.
4: <laughs> All right. So hopefully the listeners are taking note. Yeah. Okay. And the Blair Witch Project. And the Blair Witch
1: Project. Yeah.
4: I'm trying to think of it. The last the last time I went to go see a found footage film in the theater, it might have been Cloverfield.
1: Oh, see, I saw mm-hmm. Willow Creek mm-hmm. with them um, when Bob Kept came.
4: Well, see, that's cool. I'm not that cool. Yeah. <laughs> I saw it here at the Cast Studios really in the nice. comfort of my own home. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, all right, so Charlie, what about you, man? Your your takeaway after tonight I, it sounds I,
2: like you. I don't want to say you change your tone, but no, I'm I'm middle I'm middle of the road with the movie. I mean, I I can kind of take it or leave it, I guess. But I, I I like it. I think I should I should say that I should say that I would recommend it as a you know a decent you know sure rainy day monster movie um but you know it's kind of sort of straight down the middle for me it's i mean there's probably a reason that i haven't watched it in the last nine years since it came out yeah 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 it's just not at the top of my list but there are things i liked. you know, rewatching it i was kind of glad to refresh that i was like i'll go another nine years and watch it again (laughs) (laughs) see the cgi handle that one
4: yeah well my so for me i i still really like cloverfield i mean i it's not a movie that I go back to, as I said earlier, mm-hmm. but, uh, overall, I think it's a really well made movie. And I think the, the important takeaway for me in this film is that this is one of the reasons I like filmmaking is that people have different ways of accomplishing sort of the same thing. Oh, yeah. Not the same final product, but like if, if, uh, <laughs> if you had told me, I don't know, when the, when I first got into Godzilla movies that, you know, or actually how about this? If you had told me after the 1998 Godzilla film (laughs) that (laughs) 10 years later, we'd make another giant monster movie and it would be like the Blair witch project, because that was like 98, 99, Mm -hmm. something like that. I would have thought you were an idiot. And I was like, (laughs) how would you ever make a giant monster movie like that? But now we know, and I Mm -hmm. like it. I mean, I think this one works better for me than, uh, as I said earlier, than than the 2014 Godzilla. Oh yeah, film, yeah. You know, Same. and I think
2: that's true. Yeah,
4: right. I would like to see, I would like to see a return to this universe yes. with the
2: Cloverfield series uh, sub series. I would, I would add to that. You know, I, I, I w- add to what I've said before is like, even though this movie is sort of middle of the road for me, actually the universe I'm curious about and the the whole biology or or, or you know, Origin and everything else with this creature yeah. and, all you know, the little creatures that fall off of it. I want to know more about that stuff. Sure. Yeah, I wouldn't yeah. mind seeing more in this universe that kind of, you know, you know, there's the idea that because of 10 Cloverfield Lane that there is a sort of Cloverfield universe. It'd be nice to maybe get a movie that kind of, you know, at least touches on some of this stuff.
4: So one of the reasons we didn't talk about Cloverfield Lane during the recording is because Rachel has not seen it. Mm
2: -hmm. Don't Um, want to spoil it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, It's pretty easy to spoil too.
4: And the only thing I would really want to even talk about would absolutely spoil it for you. So after you've seen it, we should just chat. Yeah. perfect. However, back to the universe. That's what I want. I mean, I want, you know what I would love? I would love to see the Cloverfield universe, maybe five years after the Cloverfield attack, going back to New York and seeing what's happened Mm -hmm. there. Is it, you know, is it completely wiped out? Or
1: the people that drank all those sodas. Yeah. The health benefits. <laughs> Just saying. There's Just like a <laughs> lot of story that could go with that. Yes,
4: <laughs> I mean, to you people. by Slusho. Yeah. <laughs> yes.
1: Ooh, fish people. Yeah. Fish people.
4: All right. the
0: creature <laughs> tie-in-the- like intimate kind of thing. I mean. Yeah.
4: Cool, cool. Well, I think that pretty much does it for our talk. We did get some homework in from the listeners, so we'll start with Don, who says that Cloverfield is proof positive that America can't do monster movies. The found footage just makes it annoying during the parts you want to see, the characters just aren't that interesting, and he found the premise spoiled by the few brief monster scenes that, while well-realized and somewhat enjoyable, just don't offer the kinds of thrills that the old-school Japanese films create. If this had taken away the found footage aspect and played like a traditional film, it might go up a few points, but overall it's just not that impressive. Points for keeping the genre alive, but we can do better than this. Mike Keller thinks that he enjoyed Cloverfield more this time than the first time he saw it. Maybe that's because he knew what to expect. He also remembers the handheld camera making him almost seasick in the movie theater, but the effects were far more tolerable on the smaller screen though he still thinks that the monster design leaves something to be desired for the beast that J.J. Abrams wanted to compete with Godzilla on an iconic level, and its lack of screen time is a contender for the worst such offense in monster movie history. Speaking of J.J., Mike was surprised to note that not only did he not direct the film, but his role only seems to be relegated to one of two producers. Mike found this a little surprising as J.J.'s name is bandied about so much when this movie was initially released and finds it similar to how much Steven Spielberg's name is associated with Poltergeist, when in reality, he didn't have much to do with that film either. He goes on to say that Cloverfield is to 9-11 what Gojira was to the atomic bomb, and just as the footage of Godzilla's aftermath through Tokyo bore resemblance to the real footage of Hiroshima and Nagasaki... Many scenes in Cloverfield recall the actual footage of September 11, 2001. In particular, the stuff shot by the two brothers making the documentary about the New York firefighters at the time of the attack. Mike has heard people complain that the characters in Cloverfield are boring and annoying, but he found them no more so than the people he encounters in real life. Mike doesn't own the DVD, so he's not sure how much of the extensive viral marketing associated with the film ended up on the disc, He has heard stories that the drink slusho and the company Tagaruto were part of the monster's backstory, although he has also heard that the monster has something to do with the object we see falling through the ocean from the Coney Island Ferris wheel at the end. When Mike has more spare time, he plans to search online for the monster's official backstory, but Mike does think that the film deserves a proper sequel at some point, and that a faux documentary would probably be the way to go. He remembers a few people thinking at the time of the film's release that the smaller creatures were some kind of buddies or aliens to the larger creature, when it was always obvious to him that they were meant to be parasites, the equivalent of ticks or fleas, you know, similar to the Shokiras from Godzilla 1985. His interpretation of the effects of the parasite's bite was that the creatures secreted some sort of solution that breaks up the tough surface of the monsters hide, and when this solution reacts with mortal humans, the results are dire indeed." There were some head-scratchers. Mike wonders how the video recording was supposed to have survived the supposed nuclear strike. Even if it wasn't a safe place enough to survive the blast itself, and that's a big if, wouldn't the radiation have erased the recording? Also, for what reason did the military designate the phenomenon as Cloverfield? One more question, why does Lizzie Kaplan get such high billing? Was she really that much more of a star than anyone else in the film? Overall, Mike is glad he revisited the film, but doesn't feel a need to do so again anytime soon. Chris's disdain for Cloverfield lies in the fact that it fails as a giant monster film. Admittedly, he was hyped before this release, only to be let down by a film that really wants to be alien on a gigantic scale. No one ever hears the monster approach, he just sort of appears for the sake of surprise, and half the time he's hidden or obscured from the camera to add suspense. He put that in quotation marks there. Not only that, but the film falls on another lazy monster trope in that the more human-sized beasts tend to cause the most amount of havoc for our heroes. Add the uninspired, poorly executed knuckle-dragger design of the creature that sadly many American designers fall back on today, and what's worse is that for the most part, the general public, who kind of look at kaiju as a goof genre, they praise this film as bold and well-made over most of the stuff to ever come out of Japan. The main characters are all terrible proto hipsters who make poor and dumb decisions. Heck, the very key plot point of this film is the main character running across town to rescue a girl he just had a huge falling out with, but he has a sudden change of heart in the course of two minutes after the monster's initial attack. Finally, the film hinges on Abrams' dumb, mystery box approach to a lot of his personal works, withholding information because what the imagination fills in is greater than the real answer given which translates to Lazy Storytelling 101. While Chris generally hates this film, he ironically loves just about everything the core production team has gone on to make, from Drew Goddard's A Cabin in the Woods to Abrams' Star Wars and then to Matt Reed's remake of Let the Right One In and Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. At the time of Michael Deek writing this review, it was the night of May 22nd, the night that the monster attacked New York. It had been a while since he'd seen Cloverfield, and he was then reminded of how it was a surprisingly well-made film. The shaky cam footage is not as forced as one might expect from a found footage film, and the actors really act like human beings in a situation like this. Though some of the characters are a bit flat, they are for the most part well-developed. The monster itself stays hidden, and the viewer does not get to see what it looks like pretty much until the very end of the movie. Also, the fact that this is only a juvenile makes it more haunting to think that it could even get larger. The smaller creature on the subway were also great as they were sort of a combination of the xenomorphs, the Legion soldiers from Gamera 2, and the insectoid creatures from Starship Troopers. But what exactly are they? The creature's offspring or parasites that hitched a ride on it, perhaps? Pretty sure we determined that those are parasites. Again, Michael would love to have a clear explanation, which is why he's going to have to watch 10 Cloverfield Lane next. Spoiler alert, dude. I hope you don't really think that you're going to get information from 10 Cloverfield Lane. Anyway, back to it. One thing Michael would like to know is if the creatures are part of a bigger invasion plan like King Ghidra, Gigan, the Garamons, and the Kaiju from Pacific Rim. But what he loves most about this movie is the tone and the fact that it seems like it was an unintentional allegory for the 9-11 attacks, which makes it harken back to the themes that were first explored in Godzilla. I don't believe that the connection to 9-11 was unintentional, Michael. That was absolutely on purpose. If the 1998 Godzilla were more like this, it would have been a greater film than the massive, fish-scented dump that Roland Emmerich and Dean Devlin took on the kaiju genre. That is why Michael gives Cloverfield 3.5 out of 5 stars, as it is a nice little homage to two overlooked movie genres. It also makes you think about what you would do if your hometown was under attack from forces far beyond your comprehension. Adams says that Cloverfield, often called The Blair Witch Project Meets Godzilla, is a ground-level look at a small group of characters trying to survive the night when a giant creature comes ashore and creates absolute chaos in the middle of Manhattan. There's no wacky sidekicks, no one-liners, and really very little humor. The picture is an all-out assault for 90 minutes that puts the viewer right in the middle of the situation. It's definitely like no other big-budget monster movie before it, and while it's not without its flaws, it's all the better for trying something very, very different. Taylor says that Cloverfield is a unique beast, both the creature and the movie. He remembers first seeing the teaser in theaters back when you could release trailers in theaters without them needing to be released six hours earlier online, when it didn't even have a title, simply a release date. He was instantly curious. The end result of the movie is sort of a mixed bag. It was definitely never meant to be a full-on kaiju film, but a more realistic approach to what a giant monster attack would look like from the average Joe's point of view. Sort of in the same vein as Shin Godzilla being an honest look at how the Japanese government would handle such an attack. Taylor appreciates the novelty of the found footage and thinks that it is put to good use, but by the end he's very glad to move on to a real monster movie without the camera shake. The human action is believable, and the characters for the most part are likable, even though at times he found their panicked interactions annoying. Clover itself is an interesting design with impressive effects, seeing as how it was a lower-budget film. The design was unique for the time, but has since spawned many copycats with its backwards-elbow spider-like design, with even J.J. Abrams ripping himself off with some of the creature designs in Star Trek and Super 8. All in all, it's a decent movie with suspenseful moments, but as a kaiju film, he doesn't find himself drawn into it as he would with an old Godzilla movie. And there you have it, our Daikaiju discussion for Cloverfield. If you're wondering what next month's movie is, we are going to be talking in June about Gorgo, 1961's British kaiju film. If you'd like to turn in your homework, please do so by June 23rd to have your thoughts, questions, and reviews part of the discussion episode. And, you know, from that, let's just dive right into the news.
0: This is United Nations reporter Eric Carter with the news. The world is stunned to discover that prehistoric creatures exist in the 20th century.
3: The armies have been alerted as we wait for more news from Japan.
4: Breaking news from Hollywood as of last night. Literally today is the 31st, so last night this was announced. Legendary has picked a director for Godzilla vs. King Kong. That will be Adam Wingard, who has uh, directed VHS, part of the ABCs of Death, the recent Blair Witch movie, and uh, also the upcoming Death Note film. Looks like I'm going to have to check some of those out. Also, on his IMDb page, I saw in the upcoming list, I Saw the Devil, which I think is a Korean horror film, so they must be remaking it. Anyway, I'll have a link in the show notes to The Hollywood Reporter's story on that. In addition, Legendary's Godzilla vs. King Kong has a release date change. Previously, it was reported as May 29th, 2020. It has now jumped up to May 22nd, 2020. Woo, a whole week, guys. There must have been some hot competition on the 29th. <laughs> anyway, there's an AV Club article that I will link to in the show notes for that. Moving right along, Kong Skull Island has gotten a video release date here in the States. That is July 18th for Blu-ray and DVD, and digital downloads are actually starting on June 20th. Sci-Fi Japan has an article explaining a bit more about that, so if you want to check that out, head over to the website and click on the link in the show notes. Oh, and as I mentioned in the last episode, Funimation finally announced the DVD and Blu-ray release of Shin Godzilla, which is August 1st. Other retailers have started listing it, um, but I think currently Funimation still has the cheapest price. Adam Alexander pointed out that Amazon's price was higher than Funimation's, even with shipping. So just a heads up, you know. And of course, speaking of that Shin Godzilla release, we know that the movie hasn't come out in the UK yet. But on the KaijuCast Facebook page, Paul Edwards pointed out that the Australian Blu-ray comes out on July 19th. And Australia is in the same Blu-ray zone as the UK. So for all our UK listeners out there, you should check out that Australian release if you are itching to get your hands on Shin Godzilla. Now that's going to do it for our news. I'm going to go ahead and touch on a handful of catastrophic events, starting with a local event. If you are in the Portland, Oregon area... On June 17th, I will be selling some toys and comics and the like at the Frankenstein's comic book swap at Warehouse 23 in Vancouver, Washington. Please come down, say hi, talk to me a little bit about Godzilla, and, you know, buy some stuff from me. That would be super awesome. I'm paring down a little bit of the collection, and uh, so I'll have some Godzilla stuff, some Star Wars stuff, some comic book stuff. Uh, It's going to be a pop culture explosion all over my table, and I'm counting on you guys to pick up the pieces. I'll have a link in the show notes so you can check out that Facebook event and uh, mark your calendars, peeps. Now, you'll probably recognize that because that is the same date as this next event, I will not be there. But on June 17th in San Leandro, California, at the Historic Ball Theater, Bay Area Film Events is putting on Godzilla Night 6, an annual celebration of all things Godzilla. They will be playing Godzilla vs. Destroyer. Hail to the King, 60 Years of Destruction. There will be prizes, toy and art dealers, music, surprises, and a special 3 p.m. matinee of Monster from a Prehistoric Planet. Kaiju tracks will be spun live by DJ COD. Cuts on demand. Yo-yo. Doors open at 2 p.m. with the matinee at 3. For the evening screenings, doors open at 6 p.m. with the main show starting at 7. Godzilla dealers will be selling throughout the day and night starting at 2. And the dealers include Vinyl Kaiju Legion, Kong's Cave of Collectibles, and Kimono My House. Artists on hand include Gaz Gretzky, Nick Shev, and Lenny Romero. I know Nick and Lenny. They're awesome dudes. Shout out to those two. You know, future shout out to Gaz, since I don't seem to know him yet. Anyway, that's all going down on June 17th, and we are going to move along to the next catastrophic event. June 30th through July 1st, Days of the Dead is happening in Indianapolis, Indiana, and they are bringing both Haruo Nakajima and Sutomo Kitagawa to that convention. And Jim Cirinella from Celebrity Icons has mentioned that everyone should be sort of crossing their fingers and hope for Nakajima's good health. He is really determined to make it to that show. Next up, G-Fest is happening from July 14th through July 16th in Chicago, Illinois, and they are bringing a ton of guests. Okay, let's do this. Michiro Oshima, composer for Godzilla X-Megagearist, Godzilla x Mac Godzilla, and Godzilla Tokyo SOS. I know it has a longer title, but I'm moving on. Yuji Kaida, he is an amazing illustrator who's been doing Godzilla stuff forever. If you've been a long-time Godzilla fan, I guarantee you have seen some of his work. He's going to be an incredible guest at G-Fest. I'm really looking forward to meeting him. Also, Shinji Higuchi, special effects director of the Heisei Gamera series. He also, of course, worked on Attack on Titan. And Shin Godzilla and was, of course, involved in that incredible Tokusatsu Museum exhibition that happened several years ago. Moving on to another guest of honor, Ryuki Kitauka, who is a suit actor, stunt actor, who's played all sorts of monsters and done all sorts of stunts. He has been in Ultraman Tiga, Dyna, Gaia and Cosmos. He's also been monsters in Final Wars, the Riego movie (laughs) and uh, Death Kappa as well. Kazuhiro Nakagawa, now this is a brand new addition to G-Fest. Kazuhiro Nakagawa graduated from the directing course at the Department of Cinema at Nihon University College of Art. He is a fan of tokusatsu films. Since childhood, he dreamed of making a living at creating miniatures and film. Since his graduation, Mr. Nakagawa has been working as an assistant film director. His credits include writer and director of Day of the Kaiju, and assistant director on Attack on Titan and Shin Godzilla. Also... Kiyotaka Taguchi is being brought to the show. He's worked on Ultraman Orb and Ultraman X, the movies, as well as their respective television series. He also did parts of Ultraman Ginga and the short kaiju films Gehara and G. He's also assisted with special effects directing on numerous Godzilla films. Next up, it wouldn't be a G-Fest without Robert Scott Field being there. He is going to be helping out with all sorts of stuff all weekend long. He is the guy who played M-11 in Godzilla vs. King Ghidra. And seriously, he's been coming to G-Fest since 1999. Also, special presenter Tony Isabella will be there. He's a 44-year veteran of the comics industry and was an editor and writer at Marvel Comics. There is so much going on at this G-Fest, I, you know what, I feel like I'm just gonna have to do another, like, little bonus pre-check show again, like we did a couple years ago. So that'll come up sometime next month, but uh, moving right along, August 26th through the 27th in Pasadena, California, brings us the Japan World Heroes Convention. Now, that's being put on by Scott Zillner, the guy who does Paramorphicon, and he's bringing Ben Feruya and Noburo Kaneko... To the show from Japan, Ben Furia, of course, played the original Ultraman and Noboru Kaneko, who played Yoshito Chujo in Godzilla Tokyo S.O.S. He also played the Red Ranger in Gal Ranger. Now, these guests are just the first announcements. They will also be bringing in some artists, namely Matt Frank, Peach Momoku and Sunny Seki. The latter two are manga artists. And apparently they are going to be doing some more guest announcements very soon, so keep an eye on japanworldheroes.com for more information about that. Our last catastrophic event to talk about in this episode is October 20th through the 22nd. Grand Rapids Comic Con in Grand Rapids, Michigan is bringing Haruo Nakajima and Sutomo Kirigawa to their show. I'll have a link in the show notes to all of these conventions where you can buy your tickets, find out more information, and more. Now that is going to do it for this particular episode of the Kaiju Cast. If you found the Kaiju Cast through iTunes or some other podcast directory, please point your web browser to KaijuCast.com where you can see everything that we're about. The full episode list is up there, not to mention our Kaiju discussion schedule, plus links to all our friends' websites and our social media presences. You can go to our Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, YouTube, Instagram. I mean, the list is almost endless, guys. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the KaijuCast. And if you like us, I don't ever do this, right? If you like us, rate or review us on iTunes or Stitcher or whatever podcast platform you happen to be getting the Kaiju Cast on. I've got some really killer things coming up in the coming months, you guys. So I hope you're going to enjoy what the Kaiju Cast will be doing for the rest of the year and in the future as well. We're going to go ahead and close out the show with the incredibly Ifugube-inspired roar from Cloverfield by Michael Giacchino. We will see you next month. Giamata.